What's up, everyone? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Three Things Podcast. I'm super pumped this week to be joined by a buddy of mine, Andrew Patterson. Andrew is a strength coach based out of the Maryland area. Uh, I guess it's the DMV, which now looking back, I'm, I'm regretting not using the reference DMV in our conversation. But Andrew and I have a great talk about how he kind of approached switching gyms as far as culturally and, and working in with new staff. We also talk how valuable it is to have great mentors and how to go about finding these mentors. And then of course, my favorite, the new reason I do this podcast, the speed round. It's a great conversation. Andrew really knows his shit. Um, He's a smart guy and I'm really glad I could share this conversation with everyone. So sit back, pop a beer, coffee, obviously make sure this is time appropriate for the time of day and enjoy. See you next week. All right, my name is Andrew Patterson. So I actually started off um, just real quick. I was a three-sport athlete, played football, basketball, and baseball. Yes, I played basketball, even though I'm about 5'5 five, five and 5'6 five, on a good day. Um, <laughs> but I actually graduated – I went a different route. I actually graduated college with an accounting degree. And, um, you know, that actually was the precursor to starting – help start up Parisi myself. Um, but, you know, we went, I went through the accounting phase and it really helped me kind of engage what business was all about. And then, um, you know, I've always wanted to be, I've always trained somebody, you know, even if I didn't have the, the solid knowledge that I do now, I've always been there to kind of shed light on how to do certain things to help people. Um, I can remember I was actually part of a, uh, was they were called, it was an NFL combine, but it was, um, it was a regional combine and it was a, I was a part of it and we were doing running back drills and I took one of the running backs to the side of my competition and kind of taught him how to cut, you know? And so it's just something that has been a part of what I've always wanted to do. And then Parisi was that organization that, uh, me and my dad actually ended up going with. And, uh, you know, and Casey was actually one of the first people I met in this endeavor when we went and did, um, what are those things called again? The training certifications. Yeah, the training cert. The regional, we went there. It, was, uh, it was Newtown, it was in Philly, Newtown Athletic yeah, Club. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, Newtown Athletic Club. And I'm like, look at this, another young whippersnapper. This is going to be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, we started that. And then, uh, you know, unfortunately it didn't work out. Um, and sometimes it, it just happens that way. Uh, it could be just another door that was open. Um, our, our guy, actually, the guy that we were running from actually sold his assets and they wanted it, that facility as, um, just a strictly a warehouse. So kind of took what I had and went to another sports performance place down the road. They needed someone to run the place. And so I ended up being that guy. So I'm the director at the sports factory at the arena club in Hartford County. Um, and just absolutely loved doing it. It, it kind of it kind of engaged me and kind of helped give me the freedom to do other stuff that I also love, you know, and getting into the whole thing with podcasting, with uh, article writing, things like that, and, and really diving in on the business side. But uh, that's where I'm at right now. And, 
looking forward to what our things are uh, to come. <laughs> so yeah, Andrew Patterson, I think, uh, I think this has been a long time coming. I totally appreciate you going with it. Cause I totally, uh, for those that don't know, I was texting Andrew. I said, Hey, we're going to get on the phone on Thursday. You want to do a podcast? Let's change the phone call to a zoom call and let's get it done. Um, so this is like super last minute. And I appreciate you, uh, willing and able to come on. No problem, man. It's the last minute stuff. That's fun. It's just super fun. And that's the purpose <laughs> of, uh, when I don't tell people what they need to know to come on the podcast, it makes it super easy as far as prep on your end. Um, <laughs> But for those that are listening, three things, uh, the three things podcast is, is about the three things I have written on a piece of paper that is right in front of me. It was actually, it was on a whiteboard right behind me um, that Andrew's not allowed to see. And from there, I'm just going to ask the questions. They're more like talking prompts. So Andrew, I'm sure, as you know, if you've listened to any podcast in the past, um, however you interpret the answer is, or the, 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 the prompt is the answer that I'm looking for. So it's super candid, super raw, super real. Um, and Andrew Patterson, are you ready for the first thing? Let's get raw. Okay. So, and, and this is something I think that's very common. I say very common, hopefully it becomes less common, but in our industry of personal training, sports performance, strength conditioning, it's not uncommon for coaches to move facility to facility. Um, and like you said, like you started at a Parisi speed school, you're now at the sports factory. What? What is it like or how did you go about taking basically your habits that you had from one place to moving to a new environment and, and kind of having to readjust your habits that you were doing, whether it just be simple as schedule or um, whether it be like your programming habits or just these different tendencies and frameworks and protocols that you had in place at one gym. Now you're at another and for whatever reason, and now you kind of have to readjust to that new environment. Can you talk a little bit about that, that adjustment phase for you and like what that was like? Absolutely. So number one, I would say that anybody that's going through that and that, that I learned thankfully pretty quickly because of my mentors is be patient. Um, if you are going in there and you are going to go to where maybe you're going to be somebody else's boss, you need to remember that they don't know who you are. Uh, the people in the facility don't know who you are. And so even though your past successes you feel are great, people still don't know who you are. So you kind of have to hang back in the background and see how the place operates first. You know, you don't want to go in there and just start making different changes yourself because it's going to put people off. And so you kind of have to hang in the background and see how they operate. See, uh, and maybe if you see flaws, write down the flaws, because if you are going to change somebody else's program, if you have a problem, you better make sure you're coming with a solution. And so, um, so some of the things was, A, I had to get buy-in from the, from the trainers because at this point, I think I'm the fourth or fifth director. And so, you know, they've heard it all before. And so, you know, I took the time and went around and we all met at Dunkin', Dun uh, Dunkin Donuts. We had one-on-one -on -one meetings and I wanted to know what, their, what, what, what they wanted. You know, what was their vision? I, I didn't care about my vision right now, but what was their vision? Um, and ultimately, if we fast forward to, to now, a lot of them, they're saying that the, the culture is 10 times better than it was. But that wasn't because I came in with an iron fist. It's more because I sat in the background. I did what I needed to do. I made my calls. Um, but I really didn't start making moves until, A, there was trust there. 
Uh, B, I proved myself, you know, and, and C, we were able to all make decisions together. Um, so definitely the number one thing is don't just go in gung ho. You need to, you need to see how they operate before you find a way that you can enhance it because there may be things you don't need to change. Um, there might be things that you might need to just put your flair on. And yeah, there might be things that you may need to flip upside down. Um, but you know, I will say there was times where I got a little rambunctious and I had someone in there say, look, everybody trusts you, but you need to kind of give it, give it some time. And that's what I did. And, you know, and still there's still that I'm still stuff I'm giving time now, um, to be able to put my plans in, but guess what? Now at this point, I'm able to push through different ideas a lot quicker because they know where I'm coming from, that we kind of have uh, a handle on each other and the boundaries are set there too. Um, but the biggest thing was building trust. Um, if people think that you're coming in and you're going to just change everything because you think you can, uh, they're going to shoot you down pretty quick. <laughs> It's funny how similar that sounds to like one-on-one -on -one training. If you, if anyone listening to this does any type of like one-on-one -on -one service, whether it be in the fitness industry or not, like when you first meet with a prospective client or a new client and you kind of have to see what those boundaries are, like what those lines are, you have to kind of establish yourself as far as like someone who is not just here to just, like you said, like just like gung ho, like guns blazing and just jam everything down someone's throat but like establish that trust first. So that way they know, Hey, this person is being real, being authentic and, and is definitely here to help versus some of the, you know, like dog shit maybe that I've had in the past. Maybe that's an aggressive descriptive word there, but um, you know, making sure that, that they actually believe in you. And then that you, like you said, like you proved yourself. And I think that that was uh, actually not probably not the the route I thought you were going to take with that answer, but I, that was pretty electric, man. Like that was, that was legit. It was off to a nice hot start there. Um, now kind of a segue right from time. this, uh, I'm like, I, I, I joke and, and I, I say, I'm like the Oprah of fitness industry. Like that's, that's it. Like, I'm just, I'm just going at, it. I think I need to get um, Kevin Larrabee on the podcast and, and uh, we can compare the fit cast to the three things and we can have an Oprah off. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. See who, who hits the hard hitting question. Um, but kind of segueing from that, this is not the second thing, by the way, this is just a segue. Um, Cause one thing that I've been really actively working on is visioning right now. And, and whether it be a short-term vision, long-term vision, um, which if anyone for just for clarification, whether it be for you or anyone listening, it's like a vision is not a, is not goal setting. It's kind of like looking at what the end, what we want the end result to be. Did you find that when you met with your coaches, like some people may have struggled in goal setting or visioning or what in that process. And you had to kind of outline for that. Um, I would give you a two point answer. Uh, yeah, some of them did because they didn't even know what they wanted. I mean, that's what I get. Like if somebody asks, Hey, I want to make more money. And I say, well, how much do you want to make? And they're like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> but the second part that I think was super important to be honest with you is they were afraid to tell me their vision. Um, and the reason that's important is because I think there are managers out there that pretty much say, Hey, it's either you're on my vision or you're out of the company. And so what I did is, what we found out is a lot of my trainers, they said, you know, they want to own their own company, you know, and from being in the background that I did, albeit it was only a year and a half, I still, it still gave me a segue to get them 
to do more for the company because I said, okay, you want to own a company. Uh, are you doing the things right now to do that? How many calls are you making? You know, what, what are you doing to prepare the steps? And they're like, you know what? I'm, I'm not. And so that also gave a segue to, all right, let's set up a system for you because, and I was like, yeah, I'll be honest. This is going to contribute to this company, but guess what? It's going to give you a precursor to when you start your company, you're going to hit the ground running. And so, um, but that's the main thing that I saw is they feared uh, management knowing their vision. Once they heard me say that and say, great, I want you to own your own company. That trust was so incredible that now they're coming to me saying, Hey, how do I do this? And one of, one of the coaches, it was an NFL athlete. You know, he played for the Ravens, Kadri Ishmael, you know, and, and people say, Oh, he's eager. He's not, <laughs> you know, he just, he wants to be, he wants to be heard. And that's how every coach is. And so now our conversations are, you need to do this. You need to do that. Conversations turn to, Hey, what can I do? Or do you, can you help me with this? You know? And so, you know, are there bumps and bruises? Yep. You know, it doesn't mean everything's perfect now. But uh, one thing that I would say as managers, tell, <laughs> tell your coaches not to fear a vision. You know, don't be afraid to, to lay it down. But, yeah, there are some coaches that kind of wet behind the ears and don't really know. You know, they just picture themselves training until they're 50 and then maybe something else pops out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's uh that was that was a nice little tangent answer there. I like that one a lot. And actually it's a good segue to thing number two. Um, and this is something that I I think I saw a Pete Dupuis Instagram story that was like a, a screenshot of a tweet that said this. So like a an Instagram of a tweet. Um and it said like when you when you move from and I'm paraphrasing. So Pete Dupuy, I, I don't think you listen to this podcast, but if you do, I apologize. Uh, that when you move from trainer to a director or a position of management, you're essentially changing careers. You're no longer a trainer at that point. And it's something that, that once I was able to come to terms with is, is I think is very true. Um, but I think, you and I both are in a position where we dual coach, like we're on the active training for coaching, but we're also in a position of, of helping people, leading people and, and ultimately like managing the, the ebbs and flows of a business. What were some steps that you've made and you kind of alluded to some of them, but what are some of the steps that you've taken and, and that you've done in your day-to-day -day management life that have just paid really big dividends for you? Uh, number one, uh, and I got this one from Annie McCloy is I had to be okay that in the beginning, some athletes were going to leave because I'm not coaching as much. And, uh, that, that was a big thing for me because, you know, when some people came on, they're like, Hey, you know, I, I came to this training because you were the one coaching, you know? And, um, sometimes we got to get outside of our own minds and, and trust our, trust our coaches to be able to take that mantle, you know? And so when we stop coaching as much, the new management duties are now building up your culture, you know, are making sure, okay, why don't you make your coaches a reflection of you? That's not to say you're repeating yourself, but a reflection of you in their own style, you know, being able to make sure in, in case you do great with this, with your staff is making sure that there's an incredible breakdown of how, you should run a session, what it takes to run a session. Um, 
And so you know, now the hours become, okay, let me do training videos to, for my new coaches and do a breakdown of what the purpose is of it. We're not just running a drill just to do it for the sake of it. Um, but we're doing it because like of our conversation earlier, you know, what, what do we need to work on with you at youth athletes, shin angle, you know, what do we need to work? Some a- athletes have weak hips. How are we going to combat against that? And then relay that to your coaches. Um, the other thing is it also freed me up to be able to have more personal meetings. Um, Cause I think that is a, that is a lost art. We are so consumed with email, which email is not bad at all. You know, email is great, especially for introductions, but try to get that email to lead to a a phone call or a person to person connection. Um, Because when you become a manager and a director, you're at the point now, okay, you're the guy that needs to start pushing in the money. You know, you need to lead from the front. If you want your coaches to call, you better be on the, on the phone. You know, don't tell people to make calls when you're just sitting on the computer, you know, looking at social media. You know, they need to see, and that, that was part of the buy-in is they saw how the, the program grew from five EFTs to 81, you know, and there's a reason. And so they're like, yeah, obviously, obviously you're, uh, you know, you're grounding and pounding there, not in a weird way. Um, but <laughs> this is an explicit podcast. I know you're very okay. proper, but I'm, I'm not, so you can make all the grounded and pounding references you want. Good, good, good. You know, so. <laughs> So before the number one thing I did though is before I, I was going to take my um, limit my hours on the floor. I sat down with my coaches one-on-one and said, Hey guys, I just want you to know, I'm going to start limiting my hours um, on the floor so I can dedicate a little bit more time to prospecting and things like that. And, you know, I don't want you guys to think that I'm just backing out. You know, I don't want you to think that I'm, I'm being lazy. I'm going home. You know, and uh, I asked if they were okay with that. You know, I know most managers are going to be like, oh, what do you got to ask them for? But I asked if they were okay, and they're like, no. You know, they said, yeah, that's great. They're like, look, you're the leader. You know, we know what what you want to do. We know what you're looking to do. And we're uh, we're, uh, behind you 100%. You know, and uh, and that's the main thing that I've seen is they love when they're a part of decisions. You know, and so, but that was some of the changes and the mindset changes that I had to fix as uh, a coach, a, you know, 20 plus hour coach uh, going to more of a director's role and and really working and diving more into the business side. That's, that's, uh, sorry, I was just kind of pausing because I was like listening and I'm like, like low key, like writing notes myself. Um, But yeah, I think like, I think I was actually just talking about this on the last podcast with Steph Allen, like with, with her and her, uh, and her, her, uh, in her clinic, like transparency, like being transparent with, with people who you're with day to day is so critical to maintain trust. I mean, like you talk about how you went about building trust and maintaining trust with, in a relationship with staff is, is you could say is even harder because then over time, like impressions change and, and, new opinions are formed, but making sure you're able to maintain those relationships and keep everything positive and basically say, Hey, this is why, and we're all going to win in this scenario is huge. Um, that was a great answer. I got, I got nothing. I got nothing to add. Andrew Patterson. I got nothing. To oh add. my god! I got nothing. I just like, I, I've been seriously enjoying. I always will say I do these podcasts selfishly because I learn best through conversation. Um, so I just love sitting here on the other side and just, 
just kind of mediating a, a, a conversation that is definitely dictated by the guest. Um, I have two great parts of my day right now. First, in the morning, I found out for the first time in 10 years that I don't have cavities. Oh. And then you just, and you just telling me right then and there that you didn't have anything to find. I got nothing with. to add. I got nothing. I got nothing. It happens. Uh. It happens. I got nothing. Wow. Good for you. I don't even go to the dentist. I know that sounds so gross. I hate the dentist. I hate Is that a Vermont it. thing? I no, I just, it's like that thing that, you know, when you're like a kid and you're like, man, I just, I just dislike doing this. And your parents are always like, well, when you're an adult and you make your own decisions, you can decide on what you want to do. Cue me over here being like, yeah, I have no interest in ever going to, uh, I have no interest in ever going to the dentist again. So I'm you not going to the out. dentist anymore. Good for you, man. You had a yeah. vision since you were a kid to not go to the dentist. You live it out. For, That's great. For what it's worth, for what it's worth, I did go last year. It was the first time. It had been five years previous. I showed up. The dentist goes, your teeth look great. Do what you've been doing. I said, I'll see you in another five years. And the <laughs> literally lost her shit. Um, she's like, wait, no, don't say that. Don't say that. I was like, yeah. Get out. It happened. Oh, okay. So – the third thing, and, and you touched on this in your, in your very, like briefly in your very first statement, and I want, I want to answer, it's two parts. So the first part of the third thing, don't confuse it with four things, mm, is mm, how critical have, has having mentors been to your professional growth? Oh my gosh. Um, I hope I don't get stoned for this, but uh, that's been much more critical than college. Uh, to, oh, than I any other you. education. You're not going to get stoned for that. That's I, I, you and I are on the same page with this. I think you and I have had like some shared mentors, and you. Know, I speak very highly of our mentors. I would agree with that statement. Like the person-to-person learning, it's like being in a one-on-one collegiate classroom. Yeah, it is. I mean, uh, I would say that it's the missing component um, to anybody. I have people saying, Andrew, you know, I want to go into business. Should I go back for my master's? I'm like, no. Find yourself a mentor. You know, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to spend thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, if you're going to spend that money, then start spending, you know, half or even a quarter of it on a mentor. Someone who, A, has been there. Now, be smart about your mentor. Just don't go with a smooth talker. Look at their track record. Yes, that's important. You know, look at where they've gone, where they've been. If they tell you that it's all been uphill, then they're lying to you. Um, some of the realest mentors I, I, I had when I'm struggling, they're like, yeah, guess what? Where you're at sucks. And I've been there and it doesn't get any better right away, but you got to chip away and push through it. But mentors have been essential to where I'm at today. Um, honestly, they're the reason why I am that I'm doing more studying. They're the reason why I've built my habits the way I've built them. They're the reasons that I'm able to, um, start scheduling out my day. I'm not where I'm at today without mentors. Like I'm, I don't even know the word for, I'm like the, if I get, if I become a millionaire, I'm the unself-made millionaire. You know, (laughs) I, I've just, it's just been super essential for, um, for where I'm at right now to connect with people, you know, like Casey, like Andy, um, like Luca every now and then, you know, he, he, he answers. It's just, it's been great. And that's one thing I would say, guys, is like, if you're looking to elevate your game, and it's not just in the fitness industry, anywhere, find a mentor, they will point in the right direction, find the right one, 
and and get close with them and don't be, and don't be that person that just budge and ask questions all the time and expect them to answer and then you not care about their personal like build a relationship with these people they're not just there for you to suck life out <laughs> and that's kind of alludes to the second part of this like and you can we can either build off that that brief answer right there or you can elaborate on something else but what what is not like the right way to go about finding or 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 like finding in a, a mentor like you just said like don't just go in there and ask in like all these questions without building the relationship but i think and and the reason i ask and a little background of it is it's similar to networking like i in my early 20s i thought i was like i have a network yeah i know i know a physical therapist i know a chiropractor mm -hmm. i know um you know a mental skills coach i know other trainers in the area but it wasn't i didn't it wasn't a network at all. It was just people that I knew. There were a bunch of acquaintances. And now having actually learned how to network and build value um, with other people and install value in trade services and actually like give a shit. Like I think networking is just largely giving a shit about other people. Yeah. Mentors, I, like you just said, like it's the same way. You've got to build, build that relationship before you can expect anything in return of, of any value. And before you can even get satisfaction and enjoyment out of that relationship, you've got to have that contextual you know, trust between the two parties. Like what are some things that you found that like either were mistakes that you've made or misconceptions you've had um, in that, that mentor process, mentee process? Um, so I made mistakes badly early on. I felt, I felt like since they're in that position, I deserve, since I'm not where they are, that I deserve for them to always give me the answer that Oh, okay. They're always, they're always around their, their phone or they're always around their email or yeah, they just want to, they just want to sit down for an hour with me and, and tell me what to do because they love what they do. Um, and those were huge misconceptions because one, they're people, they have lives. They want to, if they meet somebody, they also want to make sure that you're not BSing them. You know, you're not just there to get an answer. And then once you get the answer, chance, like, what is it? Probably like 99.9% .9 of the time when people get the answer, they don't even apply it anyway. It's just like, they feel like, oh, cool. I got an answer from a mentor. And then they just go on and do the same crap they were doing yesterday. Um, but one, they're people. Two, they have a business. Chances are, you know, they unfortunately have to say no to things also so they can still work towards their goals. And it's like, you know, just because they are where they are doesn't mean they're at the pinnacle of where they want to be. So sometimes they, they can't answer you because they have a paying client or they have something else going on. Um, and then just the other thing is why don't you ask to see how you can help them? You yeah. know, like that's the big thing. It's like, okay, your audience may not be huge, but, you know, ask what you can do for them. Like, can you share their podcast? Can you buy their products? Like, that's a huge thing. Everybody always wants everything for free. And guess what? That was me. Holy crap, that was me. I'm like, come on, man. You know, can I get that for free? But it's like, you know, man, the, matter of fact, you did a post of how much you spent on uh, your continuing ed. It's like, Dude. we forget that these mentors spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to get to where they're at. And then we want that information for free. And it's like, why don't you buy in half the time when they sell it, even if it's one ninety nine, that one ninety nine could turn into ten grand if you apply it. That's up to you. 
Um, but I think that would, that's really the big thing is why don't you buy their stuff? Why don't you actually listen to their podcast or read their books first before you go gung-ho? Because I've seen you know people ask the same questions that, <laughs> that they've already talked about in a uh, blog or a podcast. So those are probably the three top things that I've made mistakes and I've probably grown from. Yeah. I love that last question you said there, like the, these, you know, the people that are the industry giants, chances are have had opportunities presented to them to share the content and, and answers that 99% of the people ask, you know, like Andy McCoy does a great job sharing information. Eric Cresty does a great job sharing information. Sue Falsoni does a great job sharing information. And, and like, that's something that when I, before I approach anyone with a question, like I, I look to see if they have that available through a podcast, through a website, through an article, through some other medium that they've used. And like, that's like my horror story is to be like, Hey, what do you think about this? And they're like, just read this. I'm like, Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Yeah. (laughs) Tough. Um, But that was electric, man. This was a damn good conversation. Oh, I've, I've had a pretty subpar week. And this is turning that week. Like I'm feeling pretty good right now. Uh, this is like the boost that I need. And I just got a text message. I don't know if you saw my thing cut out there. My next appointment is canceled. So I have a little bit more time for this speed round. Oh my gosh. I don't, yeah, I don't I have to go cry in the bathroom. Yes! I'm serious. I didn't know if we were going to do it. It's one thirty. I thought I had a one forty appointment. I don't anymore. So now we got a little time for the speed round. Okay, Andrew Patterson, the mullet is now in full effect. The business part is done of this. We did the three things. The now the party in the back is coming out. Here's the speed round. Oh yeah, hydrate up, boy. Hydrate up. Here we go. I'm so hydrated. Okay, do you have an accent or do I have an accent? Holy crap! I think you have a Vermont accent. What do you have? You kind of got an accent. I've got a I've got a Maryland accent, I guess. It's almost like Midwestern, though. Like, it's almost like, like the Midwest, like the Iowa, the Chicago, Illinois, Indiana. Like, what? I've got, like – quite as hardcore, but, like, it's – you kind of got, like, it's a little, little Maryland in there. This is Maryland's see, got it's got to be demographic because when I go north, they're like, are you from North Carolina? Uh, <laughs> like, you know, no. It's not like the country twang, though, but you got a little something. Yeah, uh, yeah. You got a little something. The second – Second thing here, and this is just purely selfish, bad radio because no one can see you. I just pull the audio. Your beard is amazing. What do you use? Oh my gosh. So I've been asked that so many times. And it's, I it's think like it's perfectly groomed, by the way. Yeah, I think it's the grease from my fingertips, to be honest with you, as weird as that <laughs> is. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why because, like, I do absolutely nothing with it. I don't put oils in it. I don't do, I barely even comb it. Do you and, shampoo? Uh, what do you do? You like no. you wash your hair? You throw some shampoo in there? No, it oh. might trickle down there, but you know the particles are still all up in there. But oh. honestly, I play with my beard so much throughout the day. Like people always see me. Like I'm always going like this or doing this. So I really think it's the grease for my fingers. To be honest with you, if there's no like. If people like think of it, like I see some people with beards and it's like a straight Brillo pad glued to their face. Your beard is looks like someone took a hair straightener to it, but it's thick. <laughs> It's nice. It's legit. Uh, you buzzed your head. You'd look like Rick Ross. Um, oh, my god! Like, gosh. that beard is massive. Okay. Um, you're not from New York, but we did meet at John Moljo's lab event, and you drove up into New York. When you told people you were going to New York, did you say you were going to upstate New York? 
Um, so when I told people that I was going to New York, all I said was, there's a hundred percent chance it's somewhere in the city and I'm going to hate it. <laughs> and so, <laughs> and so like, I'm talking when I'm like, so when I'm driving to John's, I'm, I'm looking at the GPS cause I'm still kind of frantic. Cause I'm like, am I still in New York? You know, and it blew me away because like, I am one of those people that are just like, when someone says New York, I say, okay, New York city, that crowded motherfucking place that I just want to, you know, <laughs> kick people in the shins. But, um, but no, I, all I said was New York and like, and like, I look like a little fanboy probably going up the road. Cause I'm like taking photos. I like stopped, I stopped at this one spot and I took another photo and there's a fellow New Yorker and I'm like, I'm like, bro, do you know this was here? And he like looked at me like I was an idiot. But, um, but no, all I said was New York and I'm like, yeah, it's probably in the city. It's going to be all congested. And then like, I'm like sending pictures and text messages to like my wife and my family. I'm like, Look, this is New York. <laughs> it's yeah. Where John is like shrub Oak Peekskill areas. Like, like I always ask people the running joke is, especially if you're from New York, what is upstate New York? And John is probably like still he's, quote unquote, just outside the city and that, that like White Plains area, um, which people are probably listening to this just shuddering that I compared to White Plains, like just outside the city. But it kind of is, it kind of is like you, it's, I don't know, like you and I are like, just like one's North, one's South, the city, like, it's like all kind of like the same thing. I just love the running debate. Um, okay. Agreed. Speed round. Next question. What have you been doing to mentally prepare for the first two weeks of having a newborn baby? I got to know. Now that I've oh gone my. through it, I got to know. What are you doing? Oh, so my god! Whatever you're doing is wrong and it's not going to prepare you at all. What are you doing? Honestly, the only thing I'm doing is inside my mind thinking of the worst possible case scenarios of, like, not a wink of sleep. Uh, I forget to eat for six days straight. And so maybe just I'm able to prepare so bad in my mind that it comes and says, oh, this still sucks, but maybe not as bad as it was in my mind. <laughs> so you're so spot on with the forgetting to eat because you find that if you're holding your baby, it's so damn hard to do anything with one hand uh, that you and like you're just like, oh, the baby's sleeping. I'm going to instantly be sleeping, too. But then you wake up you're like, oh, God, diapers, baby's crying, tears. What do I have to do? Everything. <laughs> and you forget to eat. So you're spot on with that. I will say. It's insanely rewarding, but man, the first two weeks is just the biggest kick in the nuts. And it, it, yes, it gets better after two weeks. So you just have I'm, to literally just like up. flash forward through it. Dude, it's still not, nah, it's like, it's the vibration <laughs> too much still. It just it's, doesn't, it'll it's shatter beautiful. my pelvis. <laughs> um, what I will tell you is um, audiobooks are huge. Uh, and don't be afraid to find something binge worthy on Netflix because you're going to find that when you're on the couch or something and you're just sitting there and the baby's sleeping, you're not getting up because if you wake that baby, you're, you're just like an asshole. So keep that baby asleep <laughs> and just, just get ready to binge something, audiobook, podcast, something, just get ready. Don't pre-watch it. Just wait, just wait, like rewatch all of game of Thrones or something. I don't know, but well, um, I'm going to need binge worthy shows from you because I think I'm running out now. This is the other, you ready for this other secret pro tip? Yeah. So make sure you get uh, like a little like bin. I hate the bin. If my wife listens to this, she's going to make case you're full of shit. I hate the little bin. It was like what you used to like wash 
like breast pump stuff, bottle stuff, like any baby stuff that you like, you like use like the little soapy bin. So it like, doesn't get all like loose in the sink. Make sure you got a little bin for your sink at home so that you can put like bottle stuff in there, pump stuff in there, whatever it is. I know people listen to this are probably like, no one cares, Casey, but that little bin has been super helpful. And I hated that little bin because I always knocked it over in the sink in the, in the <laughs> delivery room and in, the, in like the whole hospital. So that's something that's big. And then make sure you got prepared food, just like freezer stock, all the prepared foods. I think we're, yeah, we're going to do food train, I think. Just pre-cooked Chicken meals chicken. and freeze it or something, but that's it. And keep your wife fed because your wife is Ooh. the same. Mom's, mom strong is so, so much tougher than dad strong. It's unreal. Dad strong just means you aren't dead. Mom Your strong. Female is viewers just went up. That's true. I have no problem admitting that. I know, like, there's some new dads on here. Tony Bonvecchio is a new dad. Greg Robbins is expecting. Um, Tony Genocore and I started Dad Talk. Chris Merritt and I backed it up. Like, there's been a lot of dads here, and we will all Ooh. tell you, Mom Strong is legit. Um, I can't wait. I'm super excited for you, buddy. Thanks, man. So am I. Ready for it's the unreal. cartoons and stuff. Dude, it's unreal. Yeah, there's not a lot of cartoons. Like, it's just a not lot yet, of uh, right? it's a lot of figuring out. And if you can get consecutive sleep, bro, bro, five hours of consecutive <laughs> sleep is like the best thing you can do. Um, Andrew Patterson, I appreciate you making time to come on, man. Where can people find more Andrew Patterson? No problem. This is so, this is the time for you to shamelessly plug your own podcast. All right, time to get that shameless plug in so um uh I, my email is the the pod academy at gmail.com um the podcast is the academy uh just don't do it the podcast or academy or whatever just don't do it and uh what i'm actually going to be doing is it's going to be more youtube based um and it's going to be interactive and it's going to be face-to-face good times um, but I will actually be launching them all out the start of next week. I've already gotten three or four done, but they will be starting to get launched out next week. <clears throat> Excuse me on that one. Um, but, uh, so, so, uh, be on the lookout for that. Once again, it's the podcast Academy and, uh, just don't do it. Um, but like I said, you can reach me at my email or that, and then I'm on Facebook at Andrew Patterson and, and uh good old instagram at oh shoot i don't know my tag anymore it's like andrew patterson like yeah that's what it is 2727 yeah yeah there's numbers yeah andrew patterson 2727 but other than that yep that's good man other than that we're good show notes that's going on the show notes if you give me the links so here's what i'll do because you're going up next week as well when your show launches that's convenient send me the link so i make sure i can post that stuff I will. And I have, I'll have my, um, I'll also I'll have my uh, website for my articles and podcasts too. So I'll give you that link. Well, please do. So I can tag it. Um, Bang. awesome, man. Andrew Patterson, you're the man. This is not the end of our, or this is not the last conversation we'll be having. Good luck to you. And we, we just got to connect soon, man. Thanks. I appreciate you having me on this.